If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13. And again, dealing with missions, I think it's important for us to understand one uh, issue this morning, and that is the force of missions. Where does it come from? Where does the power come from? And so I think it's really interesting to me, if I want to read the verse for you again, if you look at verse number five, or verse number two, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 13, it says, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, it's interesting because that verse has a lot for us to learn concerning missions. And uh, I think it's interesting in verse number one, we're coming from a local church in Antioch. And so we're actually dealing with people that actually gather together. There was a church, a gathering of people. In verse number one, it says of chapter um, of chapter 13, the verse number one says, now there were in, in the church... Uh, that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. I think what's interesting here is that this particular uh, verse gives us an understanding, or this passage gives us an understanding a little bit more concerning missions. And uh, missions is absolutely essential. It is really the heart of God. Someone put it this way, um, to know Christ and to make him known to a world that knows him not. And can I share with you that the missionaries that we have come here, many of them through the years have come and presented their work to us here and helped us understand a little bit more of their burden. But in them, uh, there is a power and a strength that comes from God. I think about during the Battle of, of, of Britain in the summer of 1940, Winston Churchill said of the brave men of the Royal Air Force, of the Royal Air Force, he said, he said of them, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. And so when we're talking about missions, we're looking at really a singular statement here. It could be made concerning our missionaries compared to to the larger body of Christians who are content to remain at their home. Our missionary force, if you would, the missionary force, represents a small, almost insignificant percentage of the whole. Yet millions around the world have a hope of heaven because of the sacrificial ministry of these frequently forgotten heroes, really, of the faith. They leave the comfort of their homes, the companionship of their friends, and often superior conditions of this country to preach the gospel to lands that may not even have enough for for their own people to take care of them. These faithful men and women are one of the Christ's greatest gifts to the church. In the New Testament, they are called what I would call evangelists. Evangelist really means a messenger of the gospel of Christ. The gospel is primarily the message uh, of the Bible, and its messengers are of supreme importance. And historically, the New Testament evangelist is identified with a modern missionary, but by definition, the word, their job, was to carry the gospel to an unevangelized area. Eusebius of the 4th century church historian said this, he defined the evangelist as they performed the office of evangelist, being filled with the desire to preach Christ to those who had not yet heard the word of faith. And when they had laid their foundations of faith in foreign places, they appointed others such as pastors and teachers while they themselves went on to another country or another nation to start the work. Every Christian is compelled by the Great Commission to participate in evangelizing the world, but not every Christian is a missionary. 
A missionary is one who is called of God, commissioned by the church, and that carries the gospel to an unevangelized people, even if it means to taking, no, taking the gospel to people of your own city. I want to just give you a little bit of an explanation concerning uh, the Holy Spirit's work and how the Holy Spirit is so significant in this. If you look at verse number two, it actually mentions the Holy Spirit is involved. And he said unto them, separate unto us uh, Paul uh, or Barnabas and Saul. So he's giving us an understanding of the Spirit. Let me just give you a real quick understanding of the Spirit's work in your own life personally. The Spirit of God is involved with your salvation. John chapter 3 tells us very clearly that you must be born again. And the Lord Jesus Christ was expressing this, that you cannot even see the kingdom of heaven unless you have been born from above. You've been born again. And it's interesting because if you look at yourself being an earth person or a person that's been born on earth, you understand that you have been. We just recently had... Uh, my youngest son and, and my daughter in love at the house, and we were able to hold and help them take care of uh, a new uh, Winona. And uh, she had an earth birth. Uh, it was kind of a quick birth there. Um, he, my, my son um, uh, delivered the baby in the bathtub. And so that's not happened before in our family, and uh, kind of an unexpected thing. But they, they were all taken to the hospital then and took good care of the baby. And mom, they're doing just great. But if you think about this, that earth birth is wonderful. But my, my daughter in love uh, and, and my son in law, or my son, desired to, that baby would grow up then and someday become born again. So there is a time where Winona will understand the knowledge of Jesus Christ and Winona then will make her own decisions. I can't take her to the, to the, to the church and have them sanctify her or save her. The church can do no saving. Only Jesus Christ can save. And so there needs to be a time and a place where she personally will be born again. Jesus said you must be born of the flesh, of course, but you also must be born of the spirit. And speaking, of course, of the Holy Spirit, giving you that new birth. And so salvation, the Holy Spirit is involved with that. There is a sealing, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13, 10 through 13. If you read the passage, it, it tells us that we are actually sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And so we have, first of all, the salvation. The Holy Spirit's involved with that. The Holy Spirit's involved with the sealing, or I, I would say the security uh, and the assurance of your salvation comes from the Spirit of God. When you begin to doubt, when you sin, when you go against the, the grain and you do things that you shouldn't do, if you go back and you confess those to the Lord, he will, he will forgive you of your sin, and the Spirit of God will give you the peace again in your own life. And so understanding that you are saved by the Spirit of God, you are sealed by the Spirit of God, and you are also sanctified by the Spirit of God. What I mean by that is positionally, you are already in Christ when you get saved. You are with him. You're already seated in the heavenlies. You've been sanctified. But he is still working on you now. And that's a long process for some. It's been a long process for me to understand completely what God is speaking of in the scriptures. It's, ta it's taken a long time for me to understand how my spirit must be yielding to his spirit daily. I must not be self-willed as an individual. I must say that my plans are different than God's plans sometime. And so the spirit of God works in my life and helps me to understand, speaks to me with that still small voice and says, that's not right, you shouldn't do it that way. The spirit of God is the one that actually will help us in the area of sanctification. So you have saved, you have 
have sealed and you have sanctified. But for the, for the missionary then, we have them sent out. And here we have in the passage where the Holy Spirit is involved with sending out then calling out from the church, the individual, like church like ours, were gathering together in the midst, and there were some that were in, involved in the church that needed to be sent out as missionaries to other places, and God was involved in that. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ was the topic, but the Spirit of the living God was present to draw these people out so that they would be empowered then to go as that force of missions. And so I want to tell you also that along the way, uh, sometimes things happen with missionaries. They understand that they've been saved and they've been sealed and they've been sanctified. But then there was this desire for them to be a little bit more understanding concerning their security. And who sent them out? Well, the mission board sent me out. That's wonderful, but the Holy Spirit is the one that sent you out. We have, a, we have a wonderful church behind us, Pastor. Well, it's wonderful you have a good church, but the Holy Spirit has sent you out. The Holy Spirit will not only give you the, the, the understanding of this, but also um, strengthen you. And that's, that's really key. So you have saved, you have um, sealed, you have sanctified, you have sent forth, and then you have strengthened. And the Holy Spirit will strengthen you as a missionary. You say, well, I, I can't do that. I know that you can't do that. This morning, maybe you got up and said, I really can't make it to church today. But you said, I'm going to go anyway. I believe I need to go. And you took that step of faith and you went out and you, and you got into your car and you came. And, and then you saw the people here and you said, I'm so glad I came to church. I'm so glad that I, I went against the grain. I went against my own body and I, and I said, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to try to be a blessing. And certainly you are to people, but God is pleased with your faithfulness. And it's, it's God that will give you the strength. And sometimes when you don't think you have enough strength to go on, the Holy Spirit will give you that strength. I remember years ago when I was sick, I had a weakness, um, uh, what they called um, bronchitis, and I, I worked for the Postal Service, and I got really, really sick. And I didn't think I was able to go any further, and I thought, my goodness, I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to go, and I, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Dean, you're, you've, you've got bronchitis, there's just no way uh, you're going to be able to do anything. So I think I was up for maybe two weeks, maybe 10 days, I was sick. How many of you have been sick for a long period of time? Raise your hand. You know, it's not a fun thing. It's not a fun thing when you want to do things, right? I remember calling upon God, and I knew I needed to get back to the Postal Service. I, I was working as a boss. We had 52 carriers, but I also was a carrier. When I wasn't the boss, I was carrying the mail also. And, uh, and so I needed to get back to work. And you know what? The Lord showed me a verse in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit of God lives within us. And it says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in your mortal body. That's pretty powerful. So we think about the force of missions. You know, we, we want to say, well, the force be with you, you know. We want to talk about all these Star Wars things and all that. You know what? The, 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 the Bible makes it really clear that greater is he that is in you than he that is of this world. And what the world thinks as far as force is completely different than a biblical force. The, the power that God gives you at salvation is enough power to be able to accomplish his will for your life. And he will give you the strength to do that. I want you to think about several things this morning. I'm going to take about 10 or 15 minutes is it all and whip through the message for you. But I really believe there's three things that we can draw from the text that will help us in the area of missions. The first thing is the call of God upon your life. Let me talk about that for a moment. What is a missionary call? It really is, it is a singular call. 
It, it, it is not, it's not extended to every member of the church, uh, but only Paul and Barnabas here were called out. Now, you look at the passage, you say, well, there was a church there. Aren't they all called? Yes, there's, they're all called to do something for the Lord. It says in verse number um, Verse number, number two, as they ministered to the Lord, they fasted. So they were involved together in serving the Lord, and they were active doing it. But there was also this time of prayer and this time of fasting that they were involved with that, that the Lord then called out a, a, a couple individuals to go and, and, and be missionaries. They were called out. It was, it's a personal, individual discernment that you have that God is calling me. If somebody came to my office and said, Pastor, I think God's calling me somewhere, I would say that that's enough. That's enough to accept that call, that God is perhaps calling you. In some cases, I'll say, well, you need to think through this a little more and discern, is he really calling you to this? Because sometimes we have a burden and sometimes we have a call and they're two different things. A burden goes away. But a call is there all the time. And if somebody is being, being stirred in their heart to become a pastor or, or become a missionary or to, to be a Christian school teacher, God may be calling them out of the church to be able to do this, and he will. It'll be a pervasive, constant, continual call. Find your life. I really felt the call of God upon my life when I was 11 years old. I had a paper out, and uh, I wrote my first sermon at the age of 11. And it was in John chapter 3, you must be born again. What, what an incredible thought of all these years. I'm 60 years old. I go back to that time. I have had a pervasive call. You know, for a while I was away from the Lord, and that call was there. One time I was, I was uh, uh, at a place where I shouldn't be, and I walked out, and here's a guy with a New Testament. He says, here, I want you to have this. I went right to the servicemen center, and I began to talk to the men there, and I said, I need some help. And they said, why don't you go to Grace Baptist Church? And so I went to Grace Baptist Church in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Rodney Panat was the pastor. It was amazing to me because after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was in a church in Milwaukee, Faith Baptist Church. I looked over and I thought, man, that sure looks like Pastor Rodney Panat. Man, that looks like that pastor. So I went there and talked to him, and his last name was Panat. It was his brother. And it's amazing. I was so thankful that they had a good ministry there in Jacksonville, North Carolina that could help someone that had lost his way a little bit and to get him back on track. It was the Spirit of God that that was pervasive with me and calling me, come out from among them and be separate and I'll be your father and I'll take care of you. It was a missionary call, a missionary to a pulpit here in Madison. It was a call to be a pastor. Now, I had other plans. I wanted to be an evangelist and I thought I'd go all over speaking where I... I wouldn't stay in one area, but God had a whole different plan. And when my plan and God's purpose hit, what do you do? You submit to him. You say, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. I'll trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me, I constantly will obey. I think it's important for us to understand the call of God, and it's a specific call. Paul and Barnabas were to be set apart for the work. It was specifically a work that they were going to do. They were called to leave their ordinary occupations and devote themselves to full-time to preaching the gospel in an unvangelized Gentile region. It is a sovereign call. God knows what he's doing. He's calling you. I like what Daryl Champlin said, and I said it last week. I'm going to read it to you again. Dr. Daryl Champlin, one of the greatest missionaries that I've ever met, and was able to sit down with him and have supper with him and talk with him at length, he said this, 
that missions is, to, is God's purpose in, in, in this world. And here's the, here's the purpose of God. It's the eternal purpose of God to call out a people of every kindred and tongue and nation, a multitude redeemed by the blood of his lamb, slain on Calvary's cross, over whom he will crown his son, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords forever, because this is the passion of the heart of God that cannot be quenched. It is the obsession of his mind that cannot be denied. It is the vision of his eyes from eternity past into eternity future that will not dim. And it is a destination that which he has committed his own omnipotent, eternal, immutable being and a destination that will not be abandoned. Jesus Christ, as he walked every step to Calvary, was thinking of you and me. He loved you so much that he took the cross upon his own shoulders and was crucified. He laid his life down so that you could be born again. Interesting we think about this because what kind of people then are called to do God's work? People who are serving. You want to be a missionary? I always ask the missionaries, tell us what you've done. You see, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to be a missionary someday. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a preacher someday. I'm going to start now. If God is, 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 is drawing your heart toward missions, then serve him now. Come, there are things that we can do to organize our missionaries better. We try the best we can to help them, but we've got so many of them now, we need people that will actually step in and direct and help us to be able to stay in contact with them every single month, if not every single week, be able to contact all the missionaries. They send a monthly letter to us, and they sell them here from us. It would be wonderful if we could send pictures to them. And now with technology, we can actually have a virtual meeting with every single missionary every single week. We could take on somebody new and say, we're praying for you. We'll help you. God's power will give us the ability to have serving people. Those who are spiritual, verse number two, in the second part of it, it says that they were praying and fasting. These are godly people. It was such a blessing to see Tim Smith. I saw Tim Smith when he was just a young kid. Little skinny, tall, lanky kid, and he had an old pickup truck. Tim Smith was at Northland with us, and on the front of his, he had a shield in the front of his truck, and it said, a heaven-bound hick. That was his, heaven-bound hick was his CB, he had a CB antenna, you know. This is heaven-bound hick coming to you, click, you know. I'm going to preach the gospel someday. God's calling me to Siberia. Yeah, right. And he did. God called him to Siberia, and he answered the call. And now he's going into the stand countries. What a blessing to understand this particular individual and how God has worked in him. I was so blessed last night to hear him. Didn't he get fired up last night? That was unlike Tim. You see, but he's been praying and fasting. He lost 95 pounds, you know that? That's a lot of weight. Looks like I found some of that. But, but it's interesting because God is working in his soul and you can tell his spirit is like, it's an undeniable power from God in the area of missions. He has eternity in his heart. Do you have eternity in your heart? Is God calling you? Are you going to say yes to him as he calls you? It's important for us to understand really the calling of God. And how these missionaries are spiritual, they're also sensitive, is that the Holy Spirit began to speak to them. God spoke to them because they wanted to know his will. We're praying and we're fasting and we're seeking your will, Lord. And when it comes to our mind what we should do and we don't want to do it, we've got to say, yes, Lord, I see what you're doing. You're actually slowing me down somewhat. That's a hard thing when God slows you down. You think, wait a minute now, we've got, we're, we're in a rut, we're in a race, we've got to get going, we've got to do something. God is saying, I want you to walk with me. Don't run ahead of me. 
When I was in the woods with my father, I remember going hunting with him a lot of times. And I'd walk in his tracks because he told me to. Step in my tracks. And sometimes I'd get to where, to where I'd go around him. He'd say, stand back, Dean. Dave, get back, get back. Sometimes I sense God doing that. He's leading the way, step by step. And sometimes we want to run and get around God. We can't do that. We've got to say, yes, Lord. If I'm caused to slow down a little bit because of the requirements that are given to us by a government who is ungodly, it's, it's, it's difficult to have these things given to us to do. It's, it's difficult to think about those that need health uh, issues that are having trouble. And I don't want to get into the whole thing this morning, but I, I think there are some unjust things going on in our country right now. And I believe that God is not pleased with what is going on on this earth right now. And I really think that God is sifting out those that are really truly called by him. And that those who are going to actually think it's all far better to go to Hollywood or lean upon the, all of the, the, the hype of everything. And when God is basically saying to you as an individual, come unto me and I will take your burden. I will, I will take that burden from you and I'll give you the power to be able to accomplish great things for me. George Peters writes this, when the ear is closed and the mind is preoccupied and the will and purpose is set, man is outside the hearing distance of God and the call of God will never reach him. Many people never receive a call from the Lord, not because the Lord is not calling, but simply because they are not within calling distance. They're out of reach because you've grabbed onto the things of this world. You Spanish-speaking people, listen to me this morning. Don't you look at the white man and think, I'm going to be able to have all this money and all these great things. No, if God blesses you, he'll bless you. Don't you pursue the American dream. You pursue God. You pursue, pursue him. And let me tell you something. You raise your children to fear God. Those little ones that you have need to know Jesus Christ. They need to call upon him. And your lifestyle is very important. And don't you think you can go out there and drink and smoke pot and do all of those wicked things and then have good kids? No, sir. This country was built upon biblical principles. And what we need to know is that we work hard, we play hard, but we love God and we want to honor him. It's important for us to remember that God is calling. And how can you prepare for the calling of God? I really believe it's a submission to him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Make sure that there are no preconceived personal plans and preferences. You say, well, I'll serve God as long as God will do this. I think if God told his whole plan to you, you might say no. But be willing to go and be used anywhere and everywhere and make yourself available to be used. God in the ministry right now that you're involved in. I had some young people come to me recently when I was talking about young people, students, and, and they're, 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 they, they grew up in good Christian homes, and now they're in college, and then they're saying, where can I serve the Lord? Boy, that just stirs my heart. Because what's happening to our world is we're focusing on the, the money part of it, and we're focusing on the, the package deal that you get for, for retirement, and 
And, and the world is kind of making us think about all of that. Now, we need to be wise with our finances, but good night, people. We need people to be able to surrender to the Lord. Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. Make sure that you develop the habit of waiting upon the Lord and seeking Him. I like what Black, Blackaby wrote in his book with Claude King also. They wrote a book together, Henry Blackaby and Claude King. They wrote a book, uh, Experiencing God. We're going through it with a class with the men. And in the 17th chapter, he brings out really the understanding of absolute surrender. It's different than salvation. Salvation, you say, yes, Lord, and you become a born-again believer. But then you go a step further of absolute surrender, completely saying, every chamber of my heart is yours. My plans in the future are yours, Lord. I submit to you. I'm giving my will to you, whatever you desire. Absolute surrender. And total dependence of of God must take place after that. Then you depend upon God to lead you. And, And by the way, you can live your life right now with God present with you, that you may live godly in this present world. You can do that today, right where you are. And the last thing the black could be said was waiting upon the Lord, and it's so hard to wait. Isn't it hard to wait? And I go to the doctor's office, and I've got to wait for the doctor. Go to Culver's, you've got to wait. You know, you ever go to a place where you, you're told to wait, and then, then they're, they're taking care of people that came in after you, you know? If I go to a restaurant, like if I go over to Cracker Barrel, and all of a sudden uh, they call my name and I get to go in there and sit down. I'm sitting there forever. And then some people come in and sit down after me and they get their food first. You know, it's like, what's, what's up with that? What's up with that? I don't like to wait. I remember one time I went to Cracker Barrel. had a couple with us. My wife and I were with, with them. They went through a, just an incredible, crushing time. Their plans were completely stopped. I think we waited an hour and 45 minutes for our food. You know what God did? He allowed us to, to help that couple during that time, to be focused on them, not our stomach. And sometimes God does delay. And during that delay time, he's trying you. He wants to see if you'll really say yes to him. I think it's important if God's calling you to have absolute surrender, total commitment. And then remember, now you depend upon him, but wait upon him. He may be calling you to go somewhere. He may be planning to prepare you a little further where you're at before you leave and go and do what he's called you to do. Then they're commissioned by the church, and many might disagree with this, but the local church is absolutely necessary. And I really believe that God's plan is for every missionary to be sent out under the canopy of the local church. I think it's the local church that will put things together because guess what? It's the eternal work of the living God, and it is the pillar and foundation of truth is the church. And so we go back to us as our responsibility to those that actually go out. The Holy Spirit is called, has called a man, and why does he direct the church formally to set him apart for missionary service? It demonstrates that the church is God's principal sending agency. And you'll have that sometimes, uh, governed by Baptist World Missions, but sent by the local church and demonstrated the church's confidence in the missionary candidate. I really believe that the church is the trying place. I think in order to be a good missionary, you must be submissive. You've got to be. You can't work with people who are not submissive. They, they will not submit to what they, what they think is... What, anything else that what they come up with, they're not going to be submissive to. I remember having a situation with a lady that had a husband that wanted to go to mission years and years ago, probably 20 years ago now. 
And I remember him coming up and said, you know what? She was having trouble with her husband, and she said, as long as he comes up with the idea, you're going to be fine. And so I thought, i, I, I got to check into this guy a little bit. And I checked out where he worked and so on. And he had a file this thick. He could not work with anybody there at the workplace. Do you know why? He was unsubmissive to anybody else but his own desire. In order to be a good missionary, there must be that submissive desire. And in local church, sets that in case. I mean, good night. You know, we don't want this to happen. Sometimes we think, oh, the pastor, he's just up there. He's kind of a drifty person, you know, and who knows what he's going to do next, you know. And then you say, well, the deacons, they hardly ever come, you know. And so you have all this, this ex- exclusion, and you come up with ideas and say, I'm not going to submit to the church. But you know what? It's God's plan. It's God's plan for the business of the church to go forward and to take care of missionaries. It is our calling at Grace Baptist Church, and it will continue to be the calling to be able to organize a system that we can provide for these missionaries so that they can actually go out to the people that need to be saved and help bring the gospel to these folks. Commissioned by the church. I think sometimes we, we lay our hands on people and we talk about there's no, there's no electricity going through us, uh, but there is an approval that we're saying, we believe this individual, will, will, he's been tested and he's true. He's been a servant here, and then he became a deacon here, and then he became one of the pastors here, and now he's going to go on to be a missionary. Praise the Lord for that. But there's a process, and I really believe if we follow it, God will bless you. The laying on of hands, of course, the church is publicly authenticating, if you would, the call of God in declaring this individual is ready to go. And then I must close, but let me just share with this, and the last thought is couriers of the gospel. The missionary labors, this is verse 4 and 5, and look what it says. It says that they were being sent forth of the Holy Ghost, departed, of course, and from thence they, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God. They preached the word of God. I mean, let that sit in your mind because that is absolutely essential. I was thinking about this dear brother up here that was saying uh, with Isaiah 55, 11, that actually shows us that you're trying to get the word of God to the lost. That's what Jack Jarvis would say constantly. We're going to take the word of God to the lost. That's what we're going to do. I might not be able to be a good speaker. I might not be able to be very talented. I can't organize my thoughts. I can't organize a wonderful outline. But I can do this. I can take people and help people that know how to do that. I want to have, a, I want to have them... Helped in the ministry. And God has those by the Spirit of God helping in the ministry. God calls missionaries to the church that can send them away. Missionary is a sent one to evangelize. I think it's important for us to understand that the call of God upon an individual, the local church commissioned, and that they are couriers of Christ. Let me just read this poem to you. I said, let me walk in the fields. He said, no, walk in the towns. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but a crown. I said, but the skies are black and there's nothing but noise and din. And then he wept as he sent me back and said, there is more. There is sin. I said, but the air is thick and the fogs are veiling the sun. And he answered, yet souls are sick and souls are dark and undone. I said, I will miss the light and friends will miss me, they say. He said, choose tonight. If I am to miss you, 
or they. I pleaded for a time to be given. He said, is this so hard to decide? I will not. It will not seem so hard in heaven to follow the steps of your guide. I cast one look to the fields. Then I set my face to the town. And he said, my child, do you yield? Will you leave the flowers for a crown? Then into his hand went mine. And into my heart came he. And I walked in the light divine, the very path that I feared to see. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you said, here my Lord, send me? He is still speaking. He is still sending. But we have distanced ourselves from his voice. We have made our own plans. We have made our own future. We said, I'm going to do it my way. Like some heavy set singer, Elvis Presley, in the end of his life, he did it his way. What a terrible, terrible thing to be sitting at home, depressed and overweight that he just wanted to die. Oh, but he was a wonderful person. He gave himself to something that wasn't eternal. And you can do the same thing if you're not careful. Why not say yes, Lord, yes, to the call of God today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. The first step, of course, is to trust Jesus as your Savior. That's the first step. Have you asked Jesus Christ to save you? Well, I'm a good person and I've been going to church. That's not what I'm asking. Say, why do you always give the gospel out? Because someday it might be my last sermon. So I must tell you the truth. You must be born again. So maybe there's somebody here that would say, Pastor, would you please pray for me because I'm not sure I'm born again. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you please pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. I'll pray for you. No one's looking around. I won't point you out. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure. Anyone? Just lift it up, put it back down. Then, Christian, this message was for you. Maybe you've drifted away from the Lord and you sense his calling. Remember what I said? It's a pervasive call. You can't get away from him. Jonah, where are you at? The bottom of the ship. Get out of there. Maybe God has directed you to directly to go to missions. Then why don't you come? Just say, yes, Lord. Have your will and have your way. Maybe he's called you to be more active here at the church. But you've been holding back. You want to become a Sunday school teacher, but you've been holding back for some reason. I'll tell you that someday that excuse will not fly in the face of our Lord. Say yes to him today. Every head bowed and every eye closed if you just stand right where you are. If you need to come for any reason this morning, we want to have an old-fashioned altar, and if you want to come, you come. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.